Welcome football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Player 54 Podcast, a show focused solely on the XFL. From a sunny Southwest Florida studio, here's your host, Michael Lathrop. Hello, football fans. This is episode 47, Rebranding and Freeman's Journey. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Royal Retros by 503 Sports. Royal Retros are the king of throwbacks. Royal Retros by 503 Sports provides a line of merchandise from legendary defunct leagues such as the XFL 1.0. If you've always wanted to get yourself a quality Las Vegas Outlaws He Hate Me or Los Angeles Extreme Tommy Maddox jersey, perhaps even an OG XFL's team's t-shirt, we have you covered. Simply click on the link provided in the show's description and notes and enter the code Let's Talk XFL at checkout to receive 10% off your purchase. First thing, I should apologize. I am feeling a bit under the weather, and it is impacting my voice. But I am a trooper and dedicated to the community and the show. If you haven't noticed, a few weeks ago, the XFL contacted multiple podcasts covering their league. In a nutshell, the league is clamping down on the use of their intellectual property, as well as controlling all coaching, executive, and player interviews moving forward. After listening to this episode's introduction, you are already aware of the show's rebranding. Obviously, Let's Talk XFL is no longer, and we are now Player 54 Podcast. To comply with the XFL's criteria and requests, we are going to refrain from using any of their intellectual property. Doing so, we are hopeful that we will be granted access to coaches, executives, and players. Since the beginning, it has been our intention to structure the show as a dedicated and reputable XFL news outlet. We believe we have proven just that by honestly and respectfully establishing relationships with media members, agencies, players, knowledgeable and renowned experts, league partners, and most importantly, with league personnel. These respectful and professional relationships are displayed by their guest appearances on our show, being granted media credentials and attending the XFL Florida Showcase in Bradenton, and recently my appearances on shows such as Stogies and Beer and XFL STL Talk Show. If you enjoy our professional and straightforward approach, we encourage you to reach out to the XFL on our behalf and share why you believe the league should continue working with us to ensure that our professionally produced show can remain delivering the best possible content you desire. We would appreciate your understanding during this transition. This past week, we had a few XFL developments. In addition, later in the show, I will be joined by defensive back Darian Freeman to discuss his football journey, XFL Las Vegas workout, and XFL draft invitation. But first, we have those developments to cover. So, let's get to it. On September 21st, XFL Las Vegas head coach Rod Woodson made a guest appearance on the Pat McAfee Show. During his segment, the XFL was brought up. Here is the clip. Team, are you the head coach for the XFL? It's going to be the Vegas team. Are we going to? We're going to show our colors and all that stuff next week. We're going to give our name next Ooh. week, but it's going to be the Vegas team. Oh, it's a good name. You we happy? Got with- the best. I think. 
I, we, yeah, we got a nice name, and I think we got the best uniforms in the league. Ooh, that's a big deal. Wow. Hey, that's a big deal for people picking which team they're going to be yeah, a fan right. of. That's Who, the first thing I look at. Who's got the nicest <laughs> shit? All right, seems like they had a good name, too. You might build an entire brand. Are you GM as well? Because I remember the last XFL head coach also GM. Is that real? Well, we got a DPP, um, which is kind of like our GM. And Joey Porter, I mean, excuse me, uh, Joey Klinkscale, who played with me in Pittsburgh. And then we finished up with the Raiders together in personnel. He was the per- one of the personnel guys. Um, so we kind of see the game together. We see it kind of like Pittsburgh trying to get the best athlete on the field. And when you get a lot of good athletes on the field, a lot of good things can happen. Just got to get everybody going in the right direction. It sounds like they coach. got a coach that's going to coach for him. So I got a DB coach for you out there, uh, Tavon Branch. I know you're familiar with him. He told me getting that itch to coach. What? Yeah. So, hey. so I'm gonna have him, I'm gonna have him reach out Branch? to you. Yeah. Branch, Branch wants to coach. Yep. He said he got that itch. Hey, hey, tell him to hit me up. There we go. Hey, Hey, good friend. Good friend. Good coach. Good team. Hey, let's go. We're we're pulling for the Vegas, uh, Woodson. Gomblers. The, uh, the (laughs) Vegas Aces. The, I I can say, I can tell you this. It's a, it's a, it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous name. Oh, dude, they got the Vegas rattlesnakes out there, dude. Hey, they they got a championship parade with the Aces. So, hey, championship (laughs) coach out there now. Mark your calendars for the week of September 26th. We will be getting the much-anticipated team names, colors, and what sounds to be the uniforms. Then, on September 23rd, XFL Newsroom's Stefan Raychek reported potentially leaked XFL team names. His article included recent screenshots from the XFL shop. According to Stefan, the names are the following. Arlington Renegades, DC Defenders, Orlando Guardians, Houston Roughnecks, San Antonio Brahmas, Seattle Sea Dragons, St. Louis Battlehawks, Vegas Vipers. In his article, Stefan mentions these could be placeholders, but with the naming reveal happening the week of September 26th, and the fact that afterwards the XFL shop page went black with a coming soon message on its home screen, somewhat gives credibility to his reporting. To see the screenshots, check out xflnewsroom.com. As I have previously mentioned, I will now be joined by defensive back Darian Freeman to discuss his football journey, XFL Las Vegas workout, and XFL draft invitation. Welcome, Darian. I appreciate taking the time to join the show to discuss your football journey and your pursuit of playing in the XFL. Thank you. Appreciate you, Mike. Thank you. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. Every player... Their journey is different, but your path is significantly different than most players. You played your ball at JUCO, Santa Monica College in Southern California. Can you walk us through what it took to get to that moment? What your recruitment was like, what the, how the opportunity came about? Yeah, Just kind of share with our listeners what that was like. So it's a while. It's a journey. Uh, I'll start from the, the top, I guess. So, what actually happened was I went to, so originally I'm from Detroit, Michigan, right? Growing up in Detroit was inner city stuff. I don't want to make it a whole soap, get on my soapbox or anything, but you know, typical inner city issues and neighborhood lived primarily with my mom and my little brother. My dad was always there, but just not in the same household. So I had a really good upbringing with great parents, but just in a terrible, you know, part of town area. It's cool. So moving past that, I actually moved because my mom, 
got a job in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which if people don't know, that's about two hours if you're speeding <laughs> from Detroit. And she told me, you know, I actually got tricked into moving out here. She told me, hey, you know, I got a job because she's a registered nurse at the time. And she said, hey, I got a job. It's a chance to move me and your brother and everybody out of here to a new city called Grand Rapids. I've never heard of it. And you might like it. You know, there's all types of things you can do. And they got four wheelers up there. You know, to a kid in the inner city, you ride around four wheelers and, you know, all jet skis and all that stuff on lakes. I'm like, cool, sign me up. And she said, this is where she got me. If you don't like it, we can always come back. So it's supposed to be a trial run type of thing, you know, but I'm a kid. Parents know best. So she's like, as soon as we get there, this kid is done. <laughs> like, So uh, we ended up moving. She did the job. And after about two weeks, I said, this is the most boring city of my life. I am ready to go. I hate it. You know, and I hadn't done anything up until that point except finish middle school, which was only two weeks left. She pulled me with two weeks left in middle school. So it was already weird. And uh, so I went to school, did the two weeks, got out and just sat around the house. And I was like, I hate it. I absolutely hate everything about this place. It's trash. It's like a retirement city. I want to leave and go back to Detroit. She's like, nope, we're here. We're staying. You you fell for it. You're duped. Sorry. This is where it's at. I'm like, wow. So I had to make the most of it. And in comes the greatest thing of all kids' lives, high school sports. I say, yes, football, summertime, freshman year. Forget it. If I'm going to be stuck here, I'm playing ball. That's one thing that I know for sure. So went out for the team. Made it immediately as a freshman, and you know history begins with high school. So East Kentwood High School, name of the high school, one of the greatest sports teams in West Side of Michigan for sure. Maybe the state of Michigan, I don't know. You know, there's a bunch of Detroit teams out there that's pretty good. But overall, EKS had a huge record of track championships, soccer championships, a few playoff football appearances, nothing too crazy in the football department, sadly. And some basketball history. So it was a really great school athletic-wise, bunch of champions. Um, so went there, did all four years, uh, started varsity as a sophomore. Uh, we got a bunch of us got moved up and then took somebody's job, took an upperclassman's job as a junior. Very proud moment for me. And I played corner my entire beginning of my life, all the way through high school. So had a lot of traction in high school, but not a lot of notoriety. For whatever reason now, when I look at these kids now, I'm like, man, they don't know how good they got it. They got huddled. They got, you know, press. They got ESPN. They got Michigan football teams. They got universal nationwide high school people, people like destroying coming around, putting them on the map. People like AJ Green, YouTubers, all this stuff at their disposal and people actually support and go to the games. In 2010, nobody was doing that. Nobody cared. You know, I mean, obviously the people in your city care, but there wasn't like this huge wave of. Let's go to this kid game. We got to scout this guy. You know, the only time that the guy was getting that much press in the state of Michigan was Devin Gardner. I don't know if you remember him. Ended up playing at Michigan uh, after Denard Robinson. Yeah, that guy, number 98, the weirdest number for a quarterback ever. So he went to Inkster. He was the only guy getting press. Everybody else was kind of like, this kid is good, but we don't really, you know, do the whole scouting thing up here on the Midwest. So. Wasn't a lot of that going on. So it just wasn't big exposure at the time. So I think only three guys, even though we had an all-state team, only three guys got D1 offers. I was not one of them. I actually got a partial to a D1, but not any full rides. Arizona State sent me something, but the terms were that I had to move because I didn't live in Arizona at the time. And I wasn't moving to Arizona by myself as a high schooler. So long story short, went to Western and walked on uh, Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo. <laughs> coach at the time was Bill Cubitt. Very old school, very classy guy, but 
around that time, I don't know if you recall, around 2011-ish, Florida was popping. The Florida wave was everything, Percy Harvin, those guys. And so the wave of speed was sweeping through the Midwest. And so a lot of us guys who were natives, Michigans, the Indianas, the Chicago's, the guys who were like already here kind of got pushed aside for 27, I believe it was at the time. I remember it well, 27 new incoming recruits from Florida. He just, wow. he complete overhaul. Yeah. And then a new coach came and it was, it was complete. It was all about speed and they didn't care who was already here. They didn't, you know, walk on. Sorry guys. You know, we've given out too many scholarships already. Yada, yada, yada. So yeah. So that dream kind of got shot down quickly and I didn't want to stay there if I was going to ride the bench or be like an addition part, you know, especially walking on. I'm not afraid of adversity, but at that time I had fully invested in a Western and I was paying for school because I wasn't on academic scholarship. So I'm like, if I'm going to be here and I'm not playing ball, why am I here? You know? So that brought me to the service. A lot of people don't know this about me, I guess, if you don't follow me on social, but uh, I was in the U.S. Army. Did six years in the National Guard, two years in active. Got out actually this past year in uh, August. So in between college at Western and the service, I did my first couple of years in the guard. You know, you still have a life pretty much. You know, you only go one week and not every month. So I attended U.S. Army, graduated basic, graduated AIT. I was a mechanic in the Army, 91 Bravo. And so just doing that. So I did that consecutively while still going to school, while still trying to develop myself or whatever, and got to a point where I was going to move because Davenport, which is a NAIA school here in Michigan was going to offer me to play, right? So here's where we get to the crossroads of my career. Davenport says, we want to, we want you to play with us. It was the first year the program had been made for the school. It just came out brand new, new coach, new everything. And they were like, we want you to start for us because they knew me. I'd already been in the area. Some of the coaches played with me. And they were like, we want you to play here. I was like, cool, got it. Went to their uniform fitting, got the gear. Then at the same time, Santa Monica calls on the phone because I had sent a bunch of tape just all over the place. I didn't care who. I didn't care where. I didn't care what division. I didn't care what coach. I just slung my tapes all over the country. And one of the people that called me back was Santa Monica. And I hadn't really heard too much about Santa Monica. I hadn't done that much research. But once they called me, I did. And they were like, hey, if you want to come out here, you can start for us right away. And I was like, so be it. <laughs> I packed my bags. I moved across the country with about a thousand dollars in my pocket to my name and didn't have a car over there. And I just I bummed it. I lived with some friends. I had to live in the valleys. If anybody knows L.A., you know, Santa Monica <laughs> and the valley are eons apart when you're walking and busing and taking trains. So luckily, some buddies of mine, while they were living there in L.A., they allowed me to stay on a couch. I couch surf, probably three different friends lived over there. Finished school with Santa Monica, had a great career there. I loved it. I ended up loving it. I ended up having to work. Got up every day at about 3 a.m., hop on the first bus, make connecting bus to train, train another train, train to school. Went to school. First class was at 6 a.m. Got done with school at about 3. Practice starts at 4. Got straight from practice at 4 to a job that I had. I picked up a night job to pay for my living, my life, school. Did that. And this is while I'm still in the army, I'm still in the guard, you know, I'm just posted now in Cali in the, in the unit out there. So I'm still taking trips to the guard, still going to school full time, still commuting across uh, California and still playing college ball. So made that work for the rest of my tenure, rest of my clock. Had a good time there. It's a really good place, really good school. The coach I originally came to play for, though, who was a multiple time champion, actually left. He left right after he recruited me. <laughs> 
<laughs> he left and uh, took 27 starters returning from the championship team with him. Yep. And went to, uh, I believe it was El Camino. Yep. Yep. Dismantled the team, said, my guys are coming with me because they obviously want to play for a winning coach. We, you know, we built a foundation there. So enter new coach, Bill Laslett. I remember him. Shout out coach Laslett. So yeah, just, I don't want to go too long, but finished my tenure there, finished my clock there. Had a great career there. I think I led in tackles, minutes played, and I don't know, some other categories for them. But it was it was the community uh, junior college league. So it was pretty good, pretty competitive, bunch of bounce back guys. Uh, we went up against a guy that came back from Cal. Uh, we went up against a whole team in Orange Coast. I think 22 of their players were D1 bounce backs. Yeah, wow. it was competitive, very competitive. So did that. So finished at Santa Monica. Come back to Grand Rapids, still in the service. And now at this point, I've had my first child. These are my kids here. So I have multiple. Obviously, I have more than one. I don't know if that's overshadowing. There we go. Yeah, three. Yeah, so that's who I do it for. Um, Those are my babies. So I had the first one there after I finished at Santa Monica. So that was around 2018. And at this point, I had already gotten out of college, finished at Santa Monica, gotten out of the service, and now I'm just doing time. I'm doing, you know, training year round. I never stopped training. Even as a father, new baby, still training. Went from junior college and training to my very first tryout. Went to another tryout. <laughs> Went to a combine and actually physically saw the NFL combine at Lucas Oil Stadium that year, 2018, which is where I met Coach Rod for the first time. Coach Rod Woodson, great man. When I tell you that's a blessing. That man is is one of my idols. He's a really great guy and one of my favorite football idols. So, Darian, can you take a moment and share what that interaction was like when you met Coach Woodson? Because I know you've shared it a little bit on social media, but there's probably yeah. a lot of people that don't have any idea what that was like. So I don't want to take any of it out of your <laughs> mouth, so to speak. I want to you no, know to come good. from you. But can you take a moment how that completely came about? What the interaction was like? And yeah. how you left that conversation with what yeah. mindset and whatnot. So go ahead. Definitely. Yeah. You can't take this thing out of something like that, Michael. You're good. Uh, it it kind of was, it was what it was. For all those who don't know who Rod Woodson is, just Google it. Just YouTube it. Just whatever you got to do. It, it'll pop up. Trust me. Hall of Famer. The list goes on. Was interception return leader. Man, he's just a, a goat, really. Just a top tier player for one. But then I followed all his social media since I was in high school. So it's like this guy great person you know and everything that is like watching him on tape or on film is the same thing like talking to him in person very inspirational very calm comes across like a very high demeanor type of guy but very low volume gets his point across very genuine i didn't sense an ounce of fake in him and it's it's crazy i've not met too many pro hall of famers but when i speak to rod coach woodson it's kind of like Speaking to a guy from down the street, you know, he's going to keep it real with you. He's like a he's like a very authentic uncle. He'll keep it honest with you. You know, if he if he sees you're out of shape, he'll say, hey, man, you're out of shape. If he sees you, you want it bad. He say, man, that guy really wants it. You know, he'll talk to you as if he cares. And one of the things I remember was I, so I went to the uh, the combine just to go just as a sports fan, as a as a regular person. And that year, Lucas Oil was doing like this free ticket giveaway thing. And if you entered, you win some tickets and you can go. And a bunch of us won. So I drove myself, me being me. I've never had any of these like, I don't know, great handouts or nobody's done a lot 
for me in that department. So I had to get in my car, drive to Indianapolis, go to Lucas Oil, and I witnessed it live. And at during the the drills in between the offensive and defensive drills, they had these like this department where you can go to run your 40 and do your, you know, kids vert test and all that stuff. And right there was Coach Woodson signing balls for people and doing photographs and interviews. And so I talked to him. I got I only got to talk to him for about 10 minutes because there was a line of people behind me. and I didn't want to hold people up, but told him who I was, uh, introduced myself right off the rip. Firm, strong handshake. Great to meet you, man. And he looked me in my eyes and he meant it like his. It wasn't like a kid, you know, about to get his ball signed. It was like, this is a grown man meeting me. And he's, you could tell, like, I wasn't gushing, but I was in the inside. I was like, this is a Hall of Famer. Like, this is amazing. And one of my idols at that, uh, one of my people, I try to model my game. So it was just, it was huge for me. And talking to him, he's very authentic, like I said, but very humble. And uh, I remember at the end of that conversation we had, right before I had to go back to my seat, and I got my ball from him, we shook hands. I got pictures of us shaking hands at the table. And I was like, you will see me again. He didn't know what that meant at the time. I would imagine for him, it's kind of scary. <laughs> it's probably kind of concerning, like a Hall of Famer, you know, ex-football player hearing somebody in the parking lot say, hey, you will see me again. You know, not like that. But it was just like, I wanted him to know, like, I plan to see him in whatever capacity. Playing, you know, him hearing my name, hopefully on the field one day or, or getting a chance to do something in sports, in the football world or community. I didn't care. I just wanted him to know, like, you will see me again. This won't be the only time we have an encounter. And I think he thought I was playing. He's like, hey, all right, man, good job. Like, you know, comforting. But I don't think he thought I was serious. I was dead serious. And therefore, I didn't know I was going to lead to now. But what we'll talk about later with the event. But yeah, so and then he signed my ball. We took a picture and that was it. That's one of the best moments of my life. Yeah. You are a defensive back. As you mentioned, you played cornerback. Yeah. Seeing your collegiate career wasn't televised for everyone to see. Can you take them and share your strengths and style of play? Yeah. So uh, I played in the CCCC. Yes. If I got that correct, the league is called that. It's an abbreviation. It's for California Community College Football Conference. And so not a lot of televised games at all. Uh, A lot of big teams in there, but mostly if you're not a California native, you probably wouldn't have seen them. So uh, yeah. So for me, a lot of size in Cali, a lot of speed, a lot of tall receivers, a lot of athletic guys. And I think one of my biggest things was was with me in any capacity has always been IQ and the ability to work hard. And and I have a kind of a nasty streak to me. I'm a really good guy, really good guy off the field. But I think I just I'm willing to play more of that old style where I fell in love with football in the 90s and the early 2000s where people were getting you know, mangled quarterbacks are getting destroyed. There were not a lot of protection rules in place. Uh, you know, my favorite player of all time and idol who I idolized my game after, Brian Dawkins, is exactly like if I could create myself in a vacuum, it would be Brian Dawkins. I tried to be just like him. I wore 20 in, in high school. They didn't let me get it in college because they'd already been taken by the running backs. Uh, you know, defensive guys had to pick a different number other than 20s. You know, but yeah, a lot of people were looking at prime time at the time and and Coach Rod and, you know, whoever you like, Ed Reed. But for whatever reason, when I first started watching football, it's just, man, Brian Dawkins was it for me. I, I like his balance of power, coverage ability, speed, and IQ. And that's what I try to do from knee high to grasshopper to now. I don't have to be faster than you. I don't have to be stronger than you. Pretty strong for a, for a DB. I think most DBs uh, in their combine days don't usually, I think the average between most of them is usually what? Probably 12 reps a bench. 
225, maybe something like that. Maybe a little higher, maybe a little lower. I don't know. I just know some of the greats had nine, seven, you know, eight, whatever. And I'm sitting at about probably 19 now. So probably on the higher end for a DB, probably closer to a linebacker style. But I'm probably going to be faster than you. I'm probably going to be stronger than you. Probably can't out jump some guys. I have very good measurables as a player on the field. But my biggest thing is all about outthinking you. I want to put you in a mental box. I want you to know that I could probably outrun him. But if I do, will he be there? Where am I going to outrun him to? Where am I going to go? If I try to get into a shoving match, he's pretty strong. Can't shove the guy around like a little person. So what am I going to do? Am I going to try to run around him? If I run around him, he may run through me. So it's just I want you to think and I want to know everybody. I want to know what the other safety is doing. I want to know what the corners are doing. I want to know what the backers are doing. If we're covered three and I'm supposed to be deep third high, I want to know where that shallow cross is coming. I want to know what's behind me. I want to know. I was the guy, especially Santa Monica. I was the only person who logged snaps in four different positions at 185, 5'9". Yeah, I, I played nickel. I played safety. I played linebacker. And I had my hand in the dirt. Rarest thing I've ever done in my life. 185 with a hand in the dirt coming off the edge. But they utilized my speed and my tenacity because we had some guys in grade problems and, you know, the guys get hurt or whatever. So we actually played half of that season with only 31 players. We got decimated grades and injuries. So That's probably going to be a strength for you because in this alternative football world, we know the rosters are significantly smaller than we see with the active rosters of 53 in the NFL, plus right. their practice squads and whatnot. So they end up looking for a lot more versatility, guys that can play more than one position. I'm not saying you're going to have your hand back in the dirt right, in the right, XFL right. if you were to make it, but <laughs> yeah, I hope this guy's for that. <laughs> reality is that could be a strength, that versatility, because that's what they're looking for. Yeah. But that's good now, for me. I, I want to be that. I want to be a versatile guy. I want to be the jackknife. I want to be the Swiss Army knife. I want to be the guy. We don't know what to do. Uh, hell, put Freeman in. I don't know. Uh, we need a uh, Nick. Put Freeman in. I don't know. Just I want them to, to stutter and and be confused and when in doubt, take Freeman out. Just put him in and 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 plug it in and we go and we ride and we trust that he's going to do what he needs to do and be in the right spot when he's in there. That's all I care about. It would be awesome to be that default answer, right? That oh, your name I, I just pops be, in the mind. I want to be the fail safe, whatever team pick me or whatever. I want to be a hey, coach. I got it. And then coordinator's going to say, Hey, does he know? Yeah, he knows. He trust me. Freeman does his homework. He knows the plays. He know what everybody else is doing. I'm not worried about that guy. Just let him, let him do his thing. He'll do it and just be dependable. That's it. So let's rewind here a tad bit. I know we were chatting before we kind of got started with the interview. Yeah. There seems to be a stigma for players who haven't played division one power five schools. Yeah. Obviously got that hurdle that you have to overcome. So how right. do you go about ridding yourself of that stigma and proving you are just as good of a player, if not better? So for me, I feel like a lot of people feel as though lower tier players that have played in a different league. I'm not going to say lower players, but lower tier as in the league get this some type of scrutiny or like assumption about their play or, Oh, this guy wasn't good enough. That's why he's D two or D three or Juco or whatever. Some of the best players. And we talked about this pre interview. Some of the best players I know playing and character wise guys have all been Juco D three, D two, not saying that D one guys aren't great people or great characters. I just haven't met 
you know, I haven't shook hands and been around a lot of them. I've been in mostly in the Juco world for myself, so I can only speak on that. But I've met guys in semi. I've played semi. I've played indoor. I've played, uh, man, I've played adult tackle leagues. I've done everything. I've probably played every single form of football there is to play short of 707 professional. And even that, I did 707s, but that was just, you know, a local league here in, in Michigan. That's nothing to sneeze about, nothing, nothing cool. So, but at every level I've gone to, the lower tier playing level guys were always the hungriest, always the most genuine, always the most, you know, chip on the shoulder, always ready to do whatever is necessary to get a spot or to even get looked at. Sometimes it's hard to just to get looks your way. And so for me, I just wanted to always go wherever this competition or wherever I knew there was going to be D1 guys or guys who got opportunities before me, I took it personal. And it's not a, it's not a slight at the guy. It's not his fault. But it's kind of like the Bobby Boucher effect. I put that in my mind that I got slighted everywhere I went. Every combine, every tryout, every from the spring leagues to the American National Combines to the XFL showcases. I always went out there and I was like, all right. There's going to be probably 70% guys here who are D1. Most of these guys have had things given to them, things afforded to them, stuff that I haven't had, enjoy luxuries that I haven't had. You know, they probably didn't drive here. They probably live here. You know, like I just found a slight. And for the biggest things, for the best players, like Tom Brady, it's always a slight. He's 45, still the GOAT. And I'm like, what does he have to play for? But I, you can hear it. Any interview or any type of talk with Tom Brady, you hear, oh, well, these guys are, you know, I, I, even though I get a lot of deflection at 45, they think I still can't do it. I can still do it. And he goes out there and he goes crazy. It's that I think it's a it's a mental thing with most great players where they even if there's not a slight at you, you can be the greatest player who ever walked the earth. You still find a slight. Michael Jordan still find a slight. Kobe, Tiger still find a slight. And so for me. I just didn't want to be one of those guys who laid down at the feet of guys who are already on the top tier level or assume because a guy is in, has played in a higher tier league than me that he's better than me in any way, shape or form. We still bleed the same. We still play the same game. And I just didn't want to give that impression to them, and especially with guys who know you can be fearful or know they can take you over. If you think like that mentally, that gives them an edge. I, I know most people don't think so. But if you if you've ever played top tier guys, which I have, I had the luxury. If you've ever played top tier competition, they can tell if you're scared. They can tell if you're scared. They can tell if you don't feel like you belong. They can tell if you are already mentally weak or fragile, and they will expose that. They will let you know off the back if they feel like they can, they're just better than you. And if you show any sign of weakness or backing down, they will take advantage. And that only fuels their fire more. It only gives them more validation that, hey, this guy shouldn't be here. And I wasn't going to be one of those guys and give them that impression. You previously mentioned that you played indoor. Yeah. I'm not aware of what team or league you played in. Could you share that experience with us? Yeah. I played in a league with a team called the Mission Grizzlies. This was at a weird point in my life. This is probably before the Santa Monica call. I want to say 2013, 14-ish, after Western, before Santa Monica. And I just found myself playing ball just for the sake of playing ball. You know, I didn't really have a direction, didn't really have a plan. and. My buddy hits me up and he's like, hey, in Kalamazoo, there's this league starting up. I'm with the Michigan Grizzlies. We're going to be changing our name to the Michigan Lions and we'll play. And we need guys. And it was full contact. It just wasn't a very publicized league, I guess. And I played there and led the team in interceptions and sacks. And I was like, this is this is just good old fashioned fun. I think sometimes people need that. People need to just know that like the game is still fun. I feel like the top tier levels are very political. 
I believe that most people, you know, worry more about how many checks they're going to be writing or receiving or, you know, how I'm getting worked over by this team or this guy's trying to swindle our organization. You know, it's just, it's a lot of politics these days and this age floating around professional football. And so at that time I was just doing stuff just for fun, just to stay around the game, stay relevant, stay cool, do things I like to do in sports. I don't know what it is about me. My, my, my people, my family, my friends, they think I'm crazy. They're like, Hey man, you still doing this? And it's like, yeah, like, why not? Like football is going to be there. It's been there since I was born. It's going to be there when I die. I'm not ready to give it up. And I'm still at a, a pretty great age and and I think uh, physical capacity because I've never had any season injuries anywhere I've gone. I played every single game. So if you count high school, walking on college and all of my trials and everything, I've had no injuries. Um, knock on whatever wood I got. I've had no. I've played every single snap and down there is to play for a player. So that league was just a way for me to fill the gap, fill the void between joining the military not knowing what's next, not knowing what to do with football. And then before I got my Santa Monica opportunity, it just kept me in pads. Just something to do. Awesome. Durability is pretty important. Yeah, man. I try. (laughs) So back on July 23rd, you posted images of your XFL draft invitation on your social media accounts. I'm assuming you have happily accepted it since then. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So you are officially in the draft pool. You were sharing with me before we got started kind of that whole draft invitation situation. Right. And if you could kind of just walk us through that a little bit, I think it'd be kind of interesting for the listeners. Yeah, yeah, uh, no problem. So like you said, since now at, we're at the juncture that we're at, I've since been in the circles of the XFL draft pool. <laughs> but it wasn't like that before. Around, like you said, July, I started, you know, getting calls from guys or people who knew me, especially here in the Michigan area, people who knew I was still going out for combines. And like I told you, pre-interview, uh, I had done in the past three years, I've done five trials, two with the American National Combine, one with the Spring League and two with the XFL showcases. So I hadn't, I don't have, I've never had representation. I've never had anybody doing anything for me or being my mouthpiece or stepping into anybody's organization and say, Hey, I'm vouching for this player. This guy needs to be on your radar. And I've done everything, paid my own way, traveled my own way. And so when it came about that somebody contacted me in my business email, mind you, I have a business email and a personal email. The business one, if it's not from a, I want to say organization, it's like an XPO. It's an organization address for a, a business. It will automatically put it in spam. So when I got contacted about the XFL draft pulling by the first time, it was from a source that I assumed was credible. It had all the XFL lettering and, you know, watermarking and designations. And it, and it was worded exactly like the letters that I had seen all floating all around the Internet from all the other guys who had been getting them. And so I didn't think nothing of it. And it was right around the time when everybody else was starting to get them. So the timing was perfect. The layout was perfect. The look and feel was perfect. And it, it had XFL in the address bar. It just, everything about it seemed very legitimate to me. And, and I'm not by any means of the imagination dumb, I'm very business-minded individual. So I did have my doubts at first, but it just, I thought off my hard work and probably name circulating around, you know, the circuits here and the leagues, maybe, you know, it just made sense that all this hard work was being rewarded. And so when I got the letter, 
you know, I'm posting it everywhere and I'm excited and I'm showing my family that all this hard work wasn't for anything. It wasn't just a waste of my time and for nothing. And finally, I know a guy who's, I'm not going to say any names. We don't need to say names here, but I, I just know somebody who's, who's very upfront and, and connected with some guys here and there in the XFL. And he's like, man, congratulations, you know? And, and I'm like, cool. Like, you know, this is an XFL guy telling me congratulations. So he's not going to, you know, you know, he's not going to steer me in the wrong direction, basically. And so I'm like, my doubts were still there. And what happened was I seen a player accept one on Twitter, I think right before I posted mine. And he had said, oh, man, blessings and great, you know, all those things congratulating his moment. But his letter looked very odd to me. And it didn't look the same as the ones that have been circulating around. And I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to be the guy to tell the guy, you know, crush his dreams. You know, I'm in the same dream as him. And so when he got his and he posted it, he didn't have a huge following. So I had little to no likes. But I was just I was like, man, like, how bad would it be to crush this guy's dream and, and let him know that I think that's fake? And you know what? While I'm at it, what if somebody crushed my dream and told me my letter was fake? And And I was like, you know what? I just got to figure it out. I got to be sure if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to chase this goal, if I'm going to show this off to my family and post it, I have to know that this is legitimate. And so I sent it to my guy, my connect that I know that's connected to the, the league. And I said, Hey, can you have your guys over at the XFL run this for me and, and make sure that this letter is legitimate? Cause I got it from an XFL source and I want to make sure it's legitimate. He said, sure. Took him five minutes <laughs> to reply in a text. He said, dude, not only did he say that's not from him, but we need to know the name of this person and we need to know how you got it immediately. Biggest crush dream red flag of my life. And I was just like, man, like what do people gain, you know, out of swing? It's not like I'm signed to you. It's not like you're my agent, a fake agent swindling me out of some money. So like, what could it be? It's just some ulterior motive just to make me feel bad. Just to I don't know. I don't know. And so uh, I told him who it was, who I believe it was and the source and who, you know, who may have done this. And I want to say a couple of weeks later, I saw you start to post. I saw XFL start to post sources from the XFL, the hubs, the analysts. And people are just saying, hey, guys, like, beware. Like, there are people out here jipping guys, giving them the old Houdini slip, letting them know, like, hey, you're in the XFL. You've been accepted to the draft pool, which is a very hot topic right now for a lot of players trying really hard to make it. And you taking advantage of their confidence like that. It's not right. And and so I like to think whatever I did or said at that moment in juncture to my guy to get the XFL to pull out their magnifying glass and look at these types of situations maybe helped a bunch of other guys. Because if it saved hundreds or thousands of other guys from getting fake, you know, confidence or fake, you know, admiration from their peers for getting invited, that's a win to me. You know, it's not really for about me at that point. That's a way bigger scale w for the community because i rather guys be confident and sure that they made it rather than being you know duped and gypped you know that's a heck of a situation right yeah so that's weeks before i had my source contact me at eight something i believe it was back on august 12th yeah. i mean i'm literally getting ready to go to bed with my yeah. fiance yeah and all of a sudden i happen to see this dm come in yeah. And I'm going through it. And I've been linked with this agency for a while. I've coordinated some things back and forth, always trying to work with to get other players on. You know, if I use agencies, 
or sometimes I can coordinate directly with players. And I started right. getting screenshots. Mm. And I knew it wasn't just the DM text anymore. When I started yeah. seeing these screenshots, I'm like, oh boy, this is real. Yeah. It's a reputable agency. I have evidence right here with player names. I even know who had the false invitations, right? I, I yeah. could see who got yep. screwed. Part of my language. Exactly. But pretty bad. No, it's pretty bad. I sat there at eight something at night. And my fiance is like, what are you doing? Just turn the light off. We're going to bed. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Missy. I feel like I have a responsibility. I have a duty, right? I started this podcast because I wanted to help get news out there and raise awareness, fanfare, whatever I can for the league and mm. be, you know, some platform for players to come on and share their stories. I'm like, who would I be? Because at that point, it wasn't widely seen. It wasn't. I, I mean, if, if people were aware of it, they just weren't talking about it, really. Exactly. I'm like, if I, right. And I'm like, if I don't say something and I let some of these guys, what if it's guys I've already had on the show? And I'm right. telling them, I, I want to see them reach their goals and get drafted and play in the league. I'm like, what happens if I say nothing and these guys stop grinding? And I'm not saying completely. Everyone's going to do their workouts. But now we have private workouts with teams and stuff. What if they didn't push right. for it because they thought they were in the pool? They didn't really have to do anything more. I right. knew that there was going to be more on the horizon. I'm like, there's just too much time. We have all of August, mm-hmm. September, October, drafts not until no- November. I'm like, November. right. I feel like I had a responsibility. And when I first yeah. put it out there, my DMs blew up. And I mean, players. Yeah. I mean, I started interacting with you when I put it out there, yeah. right? As well as several other players. We did, yeah. So got people telling me that I was making it up. And I'm not going to you know, share names again because it's, it's not no. about this. It's not about pointing fingers. Exactly. We don't, we don't need to do that. Yeah. It's good, bad, or ugly. I'm not going to put, you know, who got screwed, who didn't. And okay, right. if, if you think I'm a bad guy. But I felt I had a responsibility to players like you. And I'm glad I did because it took a couple of days. But finally, the XFL did respond. Jeff Allstaff, sir responded with a statement and I put it out there. You want to put the statement out there because the league didn't put the official statement out there. People are like, is this real? Who did you get it from? Yeah. I'm yeah. like, well, man, I got the email. I didn't know I had to screenshot the email from the league and I yeah. can show you the chain that it went through. What executives were all involved in the chain to come back with the answer that Jeff Allstatter gave me an official statement. I mean, I didn't know I have to do that. I don't, I don't want to put league emails out there. So everyone's yeah, blowing up executives. Whole, right? I mean, do I have to do that? To, <laughs> like, I'm not trying to steal your thunder here, but like you shared something with me and I'm like, you know, it's not that I need validity because I'm doing what I'm doing and it, I don't want to become famous because fame, right. You get haters and trolls and stuff. So it's not about that. Right. Yeah. Help people. And I, actually got more validity in doing that that I did. And I know what players in came back and thanked me for, oh, thank you. Yeah, I know it's real. Oh, man, mine wasn't real. I, get, I mean, you know how heartbreaking it is on my end to be like, I broke something that crushed your dreams. Like, I didn't do it to you, yeah. but I was the bearer <laughs> of bad news. You know but that? I was the bearer that? of bad news. You were the delivery man. Yeah. It really sucks to be the boogeyman because I came in and, like, yeah. just snatched it on him. And but here, yours ended up becoming true, even though it wasn't true, right? So now kind of share with us that fall, you know, drop from yes. 
the highs, the highs yeah. back to low to coming back to your highs, the highs. Right. So now yeah. it comes back through because you're blessed. You were recently invited to a private workout with a XFL Las Vegas franchise, right? Right. Yeah. How did that all go? Right. I mean, could just walk us through yeah. from that crash to that raise and you're back in the full <laughs> swing of things. I got you. Yeah. So what actually happened was after I had got the news, right. And, and like you said, we don't have to pull up receipts and pictures and proof and all that stuff. But it, I think one of the biggest things I have to admire you for before I speak is, is the fact that you did go public with it. You did take the information you had been witnessing and observing and you put it out there for other players to save them. And that was something I wasn't willing to do. The only reason why I felt like I didn't want my name attached to that and, and whether I started the trend or not, the point was I didn't want to put it out there that there was potential for this player who's just, I don't know, maybe he's just mad or he's just jealous or let's say a scorned player, you know, makes outrageous claims. And next thing you know, my, if my name is attached to it, the XFL is going to come out and say, oh, well, this player is making waves. You know, this player wants media attention. This player just wants his invite. This player, you know, and, and a lot of guys hadn't gotten invites at that time. And I'm like, hey, you know, I'm not trying to do this for publicity, which is exactly why I didn't want my name. I even told the guy, I got the text message still to this day, a really good friend of mine. And I'm like, I don't want my name attached to it. I just want you to take the information I'm telling you, check it with your XFL source guys, and then get back to me. Let me know if my offer letter is fake and let them know if mine is fake, that they got fake circulating all around the country. And guys are doing this because I know this is a really big time for XFL football with new ownership, new people taking over. The Rock is doing this thing. All the head coaches are, are trying to hurry up and quickly, quickly put a, a pool together for teams for next season. And everybody now, it seems like, is either being invited or sending invites. And it's like this is I understand there's a lot of players waiting in the wings, you know, and only a certain amount of players can be drafted. But this is too expedited this seems too frequent every day i'm on twitter or instagram there's a new guy getting the xfl letter this guy got xfl xfl XFL, and i just keep seeing it and i just thought you know man mine was fake you know guys i'm seeing are fake you know take this information and just let the league know they they got to be put on notice that people are faking their stuff and it wasn't about me which is why i didn't want my name attached but a really good buddy of mine I will plug one name and he'll appreciate it. He gave me the, the green light before we started this interview, but uh, Scott from first choice sports, really good guy, man. Um, he, he currently doesn't represent me, but he does represent a lot of good players and he's very reputable and he's just a good guy, man. He just wants to see you succeed. He was the one that told me, Hey, you know, even if yours was a fake, don't give up, you know, and, and I know you're going to train regardless and, and don't let this hold you back. But however, you know, there may be, you know, league for you in the horizon because there may be an, an opportunity for you in Vegas or with the Vegas team. Sorry, excuse me, um, in Florida. And he sent me some links and stuff and I applied and I'm putting all my information in there and they got back to me and they were like, well, yeah, we will. We'll, we'll be happy to bring you out. And and I actually got invited to that. And it was a private workout. So people couldn't bring their agents and their mom and their dad. And it was only a certain amount of slots. And yeah. And so he helped me out with that. And so I, I realized at that point, being a good person, having good moral character and not trying to finesse the system and falsify stuff for people really helped me realize that I did the right thing. And it not only helped me realize that that was the right thing to do to help other players, it didn't essentially stop what I had going on because I still ended up going to the XFL Vegas team workout. And 
now you know there's that one that's been put out for that you I saw you put it on your page as well for uh, the supplemental workout in 22nd. So really, in in retrospect, would I have enjoyed it more if I had already had the the draft pool invite first and didn't have to jump through all these hoops and do these workouts to establish myself as a potential player that they could draft? Sure, I've one and done. I'm out of there. You know, don't even got to go through all this and just keep working out and reap the rewards. However. Since that wasn't the case for me, as well as I'm sure as for a lot of guys now that they know if theirs is fake or not. But the guys it's pertaining to, we know, okay, we didn't actually get a real letter. Here's our time between now and November to get a real letter. Or here's our time to get in front of these teams before November. And so there's really a choice you have to make at that point. Yes, was it terrible news to me? Did it hurt? Kind of. Yeah. But that's just kind of been, it takes me all the way back to to East Kenwood. It takes me all the way back to College of Santa Monica. It takes me all the way back to the service. It takes me back to the Army. There's been plenty of setbacks in my life. And my journey is not, like you said, orthodox or ordinary in any way. And so at 29 years old, still chasing the same goal I was at five, this doesn't, getting the news of that letter was more of, well, thank God I know, you know, and I can do something about it to change it. Rather than thinking, oh, yeah, I'm in this entire time, get to November then find out it's a fake. That would have hurt me way more because now I can't do anything about it to change it. Now, since going to the Vegas workout, and then I plan on on doing a supplemental showcase workout just to put a stamp on it, but now having opportunities, not only one, but two before the November draft to do it, I feel like I have the ability to change my future for myself. And so that was my moment to take that opportunity to show them what I can do, go out to Florida, do well in front of Coach Woodson, put up my numbers, do what I got to do to what I think, get myself a draft pool invite and then do something about my future, man, and change the course of it because that fake letter wasn't it and it wasn't cool and it wasn't okay. And I didn't want my name attached to it, but I hope whatever I did contributed to that trend. Cause like you said, I didn't see anything before just like you. And then all of a sudden after, you know, I'm not saying I'm directly related or correlated, but I'm just saying in that time frame from when I told the guys, Hey, tell your XFL buddies, to when you started posting about it and when I saw it went up afterward publicly from the XFL guys, it was like, man, night and day. It was a barrage overnight. And I was like, man, what if we just opened the floodgates to a bunch of scandals? Like, this is crazy. Like, this is some e-news type stuff. So, and I'm glad, you know, whatever I contributed to that cause or whatever I was able to do to help other guys, I'm, I'm glad. That's literally who I'm about. I'm the little guy. I'm the the grinder, the reserve, the unwanted, the underappreciated and undervalued, just like probably a lot of these other guys, and they don't deserve that. Neither did I. So, Yeah, I mean, that's just a tough situation. I have all these players DM me, and they're kind of like, well, what should I do? I'm like, well, one, you, this is how I'd approach the whole potential, see if you're legitimately in the pool or not. I know yeah. the league said it's a, a limited number, but what's the limited? Right. So if right. we have a thousand, twelve hundred, thirteen hundred, however many people are actually in the draft pool, we know it's going to be more than how many people are going to be selected. They're always going to have more right. options for these teams to kind right. of do their due diligence and do their research and prepare for a draft. But the reality is, man, that you got to separate yourself. You know, one, verify that you're in the pool. But even if you are and you felt like you didn't have enough work in, right? Some of these guys are at right. showcases and now having the private workouts. Not everyone's going to get a private workout. And even if you get a right. private workout, it's only with one team. Right. Now you're hoping that team is invested in you enough to draft you. But the reality right. is there's seven other teams that may not be looking at you. These guys even went to showcases. 
you're hearing like receivers, DBs, whatever, only had chances to catch two balls or two balls thrown at them. Yeah. Yeah. And every showcase only had five head coaches and I guess they rotate them around to give, you know, some time off. So they all didn't have to travel, but only five head coaches were in attendance. So clearly three other head coaches weren't there to even observe the two throws in somebody's direction. That's not enough to sway somebody to select you in a draft, even if you were to get the draft invitation. So obviously these guys, and I tell all these players, I'm glad that you did it on your own, right? You're getting out there and you're taking advantage of any opportunity you can, whether it's other showcases or combines that are coming that these executives or scouts are going to be at, whether it's private workouts, whatever it is, right? I would still tell people, if you're doing workouts and you're posting videos, I know some people are like, man, these guys posting every little medicine ball right. thing he's doing, every little every ladder drill he's team. doing, every yeah, cup yeah, of the yeah. cones and running routes. I, listen, I get it. But I want to stop what helped get you to this point, right? right? If you're on the cusp, and even if you think you've made it, just continue. Because I don't know if the league has sent confirmation emails out to everybody, hey, you are legitimately in it. Because right. at this point, I don't know where that that gray area or that line of questioning of where somebody's status exactly. is. I would like to think that's clear. Cause according to Jeff Altstatler, there was only a limited right. number, but is a limited number 50 people. Is it a hundred right. out of 1200 people? And, Again, and, I don't... and sorry, Michael, not to cut you off, but, and, and I just wanted to speak about that while I had you on that topic. I think for me, this is a good indication to help a lot of guys because one thing I've experienced was yes, I ended up getting reached out to, from the XFL after this whole debacle happened or whatever. And then yes, I was able to attend the private workout. But one thing I know to, to talk about what um, Mr. Austin said about that, I haven't still gotten anything concrete that says you are for sure in our pool and you should look forward to getting drafted. Nobody has said that to me. So to all the players who, even if the ones who are posting it in the big shiny letters and showing their proof or whatever on the invite letters, that does not mean that you're going to get drafted. That means you have the possibility to possibly get drafted. And one of the things you can do to help yourself, which is what I'm doing, which is what I learned from some of my XFL source guys, is keep doing the workouts. Keep going. Even if you I, I mean, we wouldn't want that. But even if you put up sub tier numbers from what you did in the other workouts, having your name, which is probably what helped get me here, circulating around the, the circuit over and over and over and hearing guys say, oh, Darian Freeman, Darian Freeman, DB, Nickel. Having your name floating around their talks, their roundtables, whatever it is they do in secret, these teams in this league, putting you in front of them more and more and hearing their name will likely most likely get you a spot before you just saying, oh, I got the invite. I'm good. I'm in the draft pool. I'm good. And like you said, posting. I post gym videos of myself. I'm not going to say here and lie like I don't. Most players, we do because we want to show people, hey, we're still not we're still working. We're not sitting around getting fat. We're not you know, doing none of that. We're trying to better ourselves and make sure we're ready when the call comes. However, more than just Instagram posts and Twitter posts and videos and pictures of me in the gym, I'm going to show that I am attending these XFL showcases. I'm going to show me trekking across the country to do these combines. I'm going to show everything in my ability to show the coaches that I want it, show the league that I want to be involved, that I want to be drafted, that I want to be picked. And it's not just me at home doing workouts in my gym. Like like the Vegas showcase, even even when I got the private showcase for the XFL Vegas team, they only said you've been invited to to the workout. I didn't have to go. I live in Michigan. That was in Florida. I could have just as well said, ah, too far or mm, don't want to waste the money or, mm, 
you know, they didn't put us up in a hotel. We had to pay for our own hotel and then walk to the House of Athlete, which is a beautiful shout out House of Athlete, by the way. Beautiful facility. Greatest training facility I've ever worked with. But I had to pay my own money once again and go across country. So it does. Nothing is guaranteed in this life or in this sport, for sure. So if you think you're on the right path or you're on the right track or you got things lining up for you, that don't mean stop. If you already have a draft pool invite, why not still go to the showcases? Why not still go to the trials? If you get an invite for a private workout, do it. It will only help solidify you more in the process because at this point, I think it's safe to say, which everybody found out with those fake letters and, and, and even the news dropping daily about the XFL, nobody really knows what's going on besides The Rock and Danny Garcia. I don't think anybody has any clue how this is supposed to go and what to what is concrete and what is not because I found out the hard way, but through my efforts, I'm still going and I'm still looking forward to getting a solidified, guaranteed invite and then hopefully draft. So like you said, I wouldn't stop what got me here. I don't plan to, and I'm not going to stop here. I could just as easily been like, well, I got, I did a private workout too. Hey, look at me. I also did. Come on now. I got invited to the private workout and I did it. And I went across the country. I deserve some admiration, some praise for that. No, nobody cares. Great. You went when you were supposed to go. <laughs> we still don't know you. We still don't owe you anything. You have to earn your spot. So guess what? You went to the XFL showcase, the private workout. There was guys who already lived in Florida. All they had to do was walk down the street. There was guys coming from other plots, other countries, other states. They did it just like you did it. There's 150 of us. So clearly 150 of us got the message that we need to be doing more work to get our names out. So, yeah, it's just I feel like you said it correctly. I believe that even if you're on the right path and even if you think you have the answers, just keep going. It, nothing is solidified. And I'm learning that as I go specifically with the XFL. I already knew what it was with the NFL and the CFL. But with the XFL, this is a new beast, new monster, new ownership, new coaches. Just better be safe than sorry. Same thing I did with the letter. This means nothing to me now. Poof, it's gone. What can I do now from now to November to help my, my chances? And it was to go to private workouts, to go to showcases, and hopefully attend this this 22nd showcase uh, in October uh, for the supplemental. So unless the XFL want to call me ahead of time and say, hey, you don't need it. <laughs> good, you're good. But until you yeah. hear that you're good, you yeah, can't always just believe. Yeah, even case. if they told me, I still probably go because I'm crazy like that. I don't know. So a few episodes back, I had wide receiver Jake Bosch ever on, on the show, and he got his draft invitation and whatnot. But he shared something. I don't normally like to talk about a bunch of other players on during another player's interview, but he shared something that was pretty eye-opening for me, right? And I think it should be eye-opening for several other players. He mentioned that he was working out with like Mitch Trubisky and some other guys that are in the National Football League down in the yeah. Miami area. So he works out and he pays money for whoever these trainers are. He had already played in the CFL and whatnot, and then but he had the biggest eye opener. He's like, these guys have made it. These guys right. are in the National Football League. Right. And he had seen what these guys are doing. These guys are not all from the same team. These are guys from all but are working together. He's like, right. it was the biggest eye opener that he's like, if I'm trying to get here, these guys have already made it and they're still grinding at a level I had not seen. He played D1 up at Long Island. Right. You know, but he's like, he, it was a big, like the light bulb went off. He's like, I got to significantly change my approach because in order to even get to their level, I have to be doing more than what they're actually doing. So right. it, even the ones that have made it don't view it that they've actually made it. 
that's the reality. Right. So if you're exactly. trying to achieve your dream, you got to beat out all those guys. And there's a whole, exactly. you know, slew of guys that are doing various things in between, but you don't want to oh, be thousands. the guys in the middle or towards the bottom. You need to really. Of, it. So that's the reality. Yeah. Well, outside of football, what are you up to? I know that, you know, you're training, you're grinding, but you know, there's yeah. gotta be something that's paying the bills. Uh, right. Cause you know, you're, you haven't made it yet. You're trying to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so for me, it's, it's always about football. Even at work is always about football, but it, yeah, so I was in the service. Like I said, I recently just got an active duty this year. So for me, that was what was paying the bills. Now that I'm out, I got a regular nine to five, just like anybody else. I work at Amazon. I actually picked up a second job. Um, and then I also do shift on the side, the grocery delivery service. So I do plenty enough to keep myself busy. Plus getting my kids, watching my kids, being a great parent, doing what I got to do there on that front. So I stay busy. I, I really don't have any free days to do anything else but work or work out. And so if I'm not working out and I'm not enjoying my time with my kids, I'm usually thinking about football or, you know, or doing something that's natural to keep my life going. But everything comes back to football. If I'm working, I put it back in the gear or tryout money. If I if I'm working out, it's for the work for the workouts. If I'm at the workouts. I'm thinking about this workout currently that I'm doing. And as soon as this one is over, when's the next one? You know, so I think what you were saying uh, resonated with the training with Mitch Brisky and stuff is because I I think the biggest thing about me, which is very unique, is that I haven't had obviously the cleanest, easiest, safest route to this journey. But I've always done something for myself and I don't have guys here who want it like I do anymore. Everybody's kind of faded. I don't have usually anybody uh, in the Michigan area who's really trying to reach this level. It's a personal, my friends, a few guys here and there, but nobody's really doing what I'm doing in my area. So one of the things I don't have working for me is somebody I can, Hey, call, let's throw a few balls around. Let's, let's do some cone drills. Let's do some technique stuff. I don't have that in my luxury. I do everything for myself with myself. Uh, when the nights are darkest, I'm out in the field doing cone drills when I can see. When they're the brightest, I'm already in the gym at 6 a.m. I go to work at 9. I work from 9 to 5, sometimes 7. I get out at 7. I work my second job. After that second job, I work out again. And then I wake up and do it all over again. So I don't have that luxury that guys have to, hey, I'm going to call you up. Let's work it. Or let me be around like-minded individuals like myself still chasing the same goal. I don't have those people. I think how I supplemented that for me was doing so many things. Uh, most people I've met, they like, man, this is your fifth. What? This is your sixth event in how many years? Like, and you how old? Like, I just do stuff. I don't know. I think I'm just I'm just different. I do. I've done. This was my sixth event in, in three years. If I do the October showcase, it'll be my seventh. And I think I just try to get myself around. Those people, the, the the grind, the people who think just like me, other athletes trying to make it, staff that can help you, coach, uh, just like the HOA uh, House of Athlete we just did with the Vegas team workout in Florida. Like I said, best facility I ever worked with, but all of the guys wanted it just like me. And then the coaches, Coach Rod was there. His staff worked very hard to get us around the best top tier coaching and training we could get. Plus, Goldfeet Global stopped by. Uh, some of the best technique guys, and I, honestly, in my opinion, the best technique guys in the game, offense or defense, doesn't matter. 
they've worked with everybody. So stuff like that, just getting the more I found that I'm around those types of atmospheres, the more I find myself around like minded individuals and the proper people that can teach me. Coach Sam and Coach Mike, even the guys who run the ANC, American National Combine. I was in the Spring League trial when they first ran those. And I was in 2019 in the Miami one. And I remember having to pay my own way just to get into the showcase and to do it. And it was a week long event. And there was hundreds of guys there, but it was week long event. And what they did was they had us practice, lift and sleep in the hotel for a week. And at the end of that week, you took what you learned in practice and applied it to a, a Miami League showcase game. And I have the highlights from that game. I led in tackles. And there was only two interceptions in that entire showcase game. And I had one of them. So I just feel like there's more to football than just what you see on the day-to-day operations of the actual game. There's a bunch of preparation. There's a bunch of opportunity. There's a bunch of guys having to meet that opportunity. And one thing about me is I'm always seize a good opportunity. I'm always trying to put myself in the best light. And if I can help it, I'm going to try to influence somebody as to why they should pick me over the next guy. I don't know the next guy. Never met him. Don't know who he is. Don't know his name. Don't know his number. But if I can separate myself by showing you instead of just telling you, I'll do it. I'm willing to trek across the country. I'm willing to spend thousands of dollars on training. I'm willing I'm willing to attend X amount of events in a short span of years where there's guys walking around that maybe I've done two in the last five years. You know, I've done dang near seven in the past three. So it's just a different desire. You know, how do you wake up at 29 years old in the morning with a nine to five and kids and still find time to train, even though you don't have anybody to work with, even though you don't have anybody to throw you the ball, even though you don't have any. I invested over $500 in my own ladder, my own balls, my own gloves, my own training equipment, my own tires, my own ladders, my own jump shoots, my own boxes. You know, I've done that for myself because I don't have that luxury. So I think I believe just having that resiliency and that know-how and taking the game that I love and caring as much about as possible is what fuels me. And like you said, even the guys that have made it aren't satisfied that they made it. I haven't made it and I'm still not satisfied. And even if I make it to the XFL, you know, Lord willing, you know, I, I would like for it to happen for me. If that happens, then at the XFL, I'm still not going to feel content. If I get a call for the NFL, I'm not going to be content. Uh, my goal has never been, oh, I'll settle, you know, because I could have did that at semi-pro. I could have did that at indoor. I could have did that at CFL trials. I could have did it at XFL trials. Could have did it at spring league. Could have did it at the showcase. Could have did it in college. Could have did it in high school. If I wanted to settle, trust me, at almost 30, I wouldn't still be doing this. If I didn't feel like I was in enough premium position to contribute to a winning team and a winning organization, I wouldn't still care as much as I do, but I don't think it'll ever die. And that's why people think I'm crazy. <laughs> and that's why I've done so many events in such a short time. So let's wipe, wipe the slate clear, right? right? Let's act like what's done is done. Right. Let's act like you don't have another showcase on the horizon. Right. Let's act like where you're at today in November 16th. Right. I know there's a lot of time. Right. I've had an XFL executive on the show. So I typically give every one of my guests an opportunity or a last plea. If XFL coaches or key staff members were to tune into this episode and they're watching right now or listening, right? Right. And there's only one thing that is greatly unknown about you. One, 
right? I know he's, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot. One thing, okay. right? You got all okay. the tape out there, all the work's done. There's nothing more you can show them. What is the one thing that they do not know that they should know to ultimately select you in the draft over another player and put you on the team? What's the one thing? I know, Darian, that's tough. But one thing. Okay. Uh, one thing. I don't think I just, I, I know really sacrifice for me. It's, I would tell the executive that it's really easy to, to try to be faster. It's really easy to try to be stronger. It's really easy to jump higher. It's really easy to act like you love the game more and more every day. The one thing you can't teach somebody is humility and sacrifice. If you tell me you need to get better, just get better. If you tell me you need to lift a little harder, just lift harder. Run faster. Do more. Do less. Give it up. Step to the side. Sit down. Go start. Go get off the bench. Go play. Go get water. Stay up overnight and learn this playbook. You got 24 hours. I don't care about your jersey number. I don't care about your cleats. Fix them. I'm missing a glove. I don't. Whatever it is, I think the biggest thing I can bring to an organization and to help a person who wants to bring me onto their organization and win football games because I'm not there to lose is I'm willing to sacrifice in any way, shape, or form. And if they tell me, hey, you know what? You don't look like, you know, I would have loved you as a DB 20 pounds lighter. We feel like you could play, help us more at linebacker to help us win. Take it or leave it. I'm taking it. I am now a linebacker. I don't care. Excuse the way I, I I come at it, but aggressively, that's just how you have to be. If there's anything I've learned in, from my journey and how I did it is that you can't expect everything to be perfect and you can't expect at this level, it's not your way no more. It's their way. What do we need from you to make us better for us? Sacrifice. You got to sometimes you got to let other guys shine. Sometimes this won't be your play. Sometimes this won't be your tackle to make. Sometimes you're, we just want you to take a dive in front of the running back or receiver so that the guy behind you can make the tackle. We want you to look crazy and funnel the guy inside, even if we know you're going to get a crackback block from a receiver, but you did your job and held him into the coverage. Sometimes it's not about what you want anymore as a player. And you have to show humility and sacrifice. And the biggest thing I'm willing to do is do whatever it takes whatever it takes capital letters to make it to the team especially right now one thing at a time and it's the xfl so if the xfl wants to bring me on and a coach wants to to bring me on he's gonna know exactly what he's getting i'm honest i got character i got iq i got ability and i sacrifice and sacrifice is is everything for me because it's how i got here and it's how i'm gonna get better every day and that's it's the biggest thing I think that separates me because I don't think anybody else is thinking about what they can give up. Guys just want to gain, and I'm ready to give up to make it to a team. Darian, it has been a pleasure. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on this show and talk to me about your football experience, the yeah. XFL draft temptation situation, and the XFL Las Vegas franchise workout. I really hope you are selected in the XFL draft, but more importantly, you make the team's roster and play in the league in 2023 because I would love to have you come back on the show sometime so we can discuss yeah. how things are going football-wise, not hypothetical, but football yeah. and your team. Yeah, appreciate it, Michael. So likewise, I enjoyed being on the show. Definitely a high point for me. Great 
for the exposure and just to talk football with you, man. And we talked a lot before we actually did the interview. I think that the talk before the interview was longer than the actual interview. So I think Might for be. me, yeah, <laughs> maybe it, we're, we're rivaling. We were challenging it, pushing the limits. But I think it's good that not only do we have somebody like you who cares about the underdogs and the guys who are trying to get on the platform to help them grow as players and get their name out there. But I think also you're doing a great job with showing people, hey, there's opportunity for you there. You just have to go seize it. I can't hand you a contract. I can't hand you an invitation myself, but I can put you in the right places to talk to the right people to see if you can prove yourself more in front of them to get an opportunity. And that's all I can offer. And if they want to take it, they take it. If they don't, then leave it. But I'm going to take every opportunity, like I said before. And uh, I just want to give a great shout out to you, to the show. I want to thank uh, my most recent invite from Coach Woodson and the XFL Vegas team. I would love to be drafted. I'll take it. I'll take any team, but it was good meeting that specific group of staff. And if another team reached out to me, I'm sure I would love their facility and their team as well. But I also want to give a shout out to the Spring League. They gave me a chance. Um, the American National Combines, they gave me a chance as well. And every single where I went before now, that gave me an opportunity and allowed me to show my gifts and my talent. And then uh, all glory to God, man. Thanks, everybody, for having me. And, and, and let's see what happens next. I'm not done yet, so I'm ready to ball. Before you go, if some of our listeners wanted a chance to follow you in your journey, where could they do so? Okay. Uh, Instagram, it's real, R-E-A-L-C-H-E-F-W-I-L-D-E-R. So real Chef Wilder, all one word. No, I'm not a chef. It's just the name. <laughs> or uh, Facebook at Darian Freeman. It's my full name. Or uh, Twitter at uh, Chef Wilder, just at Chef Wilder. You'll find me. Um, and, and yeah, just, uh, really anywhere. Uh, oh, also YouTube at, uh, uh, Chef Wilder TV is my YouTube page. So a lot of content on there and football stuff, but yeah, most likely you'll find me best on Instagram and Twitter. Perfect. Thank you, Darian. Perfect. Thank you, Michael. You're welcome. As you heard, I had a lengthy conversation with Darian. He embodies hard work and sacrifice. Darian is a diamond in the rough and truly fits the Player 54 moniker. Best of luck to him on November 16th and beyond. In the coming weeks, we will continue updating various aspects of the show. Unfortunately, there has not been any fan line messages for this week. If you have a comment, question, or hot take and would like it to be heard on the show, reach out to the fan line by calling 863-TALK-XFL or 863-825-825. 5935. Doing so, your message could be included in an upcoming episode. All good things must come to an end. This concludes another episode of Player 54 Podcast. As always, I am interested in receiving your feedback. So do not be a stranger. Reach out to let me know your thoughts. And if you do so, your comments might just make it on the show. But before you go, do not forget to subscribe and rate the show on your platform or choice. One last thing. If you're interested in checking out our friends over at Royal Retros by 503 Sports, do not forget to click on the link in the show's description and notes, as well as that sweet code, Let's Talk XFL, or 10% off your purchase. Thank you for tuning in. Till next time, cheers. Thank you for tuning into today's show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Player 54 Podcast on your platform of choice. 
You can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Player54Podcast. Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? Message the show via social media or send an email to player54podcast at gmail.com.